Thanks so much for that. Well, take your Bibles, please. Let's go to Galatians. Again, good to have the visitors here. Thanks so much for coming. I, I know some of you, you traveled a bit of a ways to get here, so uh, you made it down to the cornfields. And uh, as I was driving in this morning myself, and of course now most of you know where I live, about 25 minutes north of here, and as we come down 45 and uh, right now looking at the fields that are starting to uh, have the corn crops and the other crops are starting to pop up fairly good, they're coming up pretty strong. But as I, as I drive every single day when I drive to Union Grove, I think about the name of this town, Union Grove. And I think about you folks that are part of Union Grove Baptist Church. And I think about the, as we drive down through the, the fields and come into the, the city itself and we look and we see so many different things that are beautiful in the countryside and so forth. But I get, and as I've stated in the facts, I get fixated on each of the farmhouses. I get fixated on each of the apartment buildings. I get fixated on each of the homes that I can see through the glass in the back and so forth. Why? Because inside of each one of those homes, each one of those farmhouses, are people for whom Christ died. And as we go to our passage this morning, we're talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. Folks, freedom is not free. And this morning what we're going to do in the time that we have, and it'll be a little shorter sermon than most because of uh, the other things that we've done this morning, but I want us to really center in on what does it mean to be free? And this morning we'll look at two different pieces of that. We're going to look at the freedom that we have in Christ, of course. Can't get away from that. And then we're going to look at the freedom we currently have in this country. Especially before I retired from the sheriff's office, I spent considerable amount in Washington, D.C. And as you go through Washington, D.C., if you've ever been there, and I, I trust that you have, there's so many different things that just scream about the history of America. And right now, we all are more than aware that America's going through a really difficult time. The COVID crisis hits. We have the death of the individual from an officer on the neck of an individual in Minnesota putting the country into shockwaves, riots, upsetment, bringing out the issues of inequality, bias, which we talked about last week. And these things have, if you will, kind of put a bit of a shadow over what just took place on yesterday, at our 4th of July Freedom Parades. And I want to draw, draw us back in this morning to the foundations the good things that God has done in this country as well as in our lives as God's people. When I was in Washington and I would go to the law enforcement memorial where several of my, if you will, brothers, and I know we have a few other officers here this morning, gave their lives for this country because freedom isn't free. Firefighters and EMTs and others that 
are putting their lives on the line this morning. When I drove by the firehouse in Union Grove this morning, I, I saw the decorations on there and it said, heroes are here. Heroes work here. And they do. Most of you know Tony. Saw him in uniform yesterday for the first time at the firehouse when we had our parade. Puts his life on the line every single day going out there. Every time a person straps on a uniform to go out there, folks, it's to help you have the freedom that you enjoy today. For those of you that served in the military or have loved ones that went into the military, some of us have lost loved ones that died to give you freedom because freedom is not free. And this morning, let's take our Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 5. And I want us to remember, folks, not just about the freedom we have in Christ this morning, but I want to spend a little bit of time at the beginning. I'm going to do a little tangent, if you will. And I want us to think about what would we have in America if the freedoms that we currently have didn't exist? How horrible would it be this morning if the, the police and the fire and the, and the soldiers that have literally fought for this country, served this country, for those of you who have stand and stood with this country, if we didn't have it, where would we be and in what kind of shape would we be in if we didn't have America today? Yes, America's got problems. I'm not going to deny that. that there's, there's no way to deny it that there's issues that need to be resolved. But folks, it's America. It is the home of the free. And I know some folks have gone through terrible, difficult, horrible times. But folks, when we look around the world, and you know, I, God's given me the chance to go quite a bit around the world during my lifetime. And folks, yes, America is not perfect. It has problems and it needs some corrective action in certain areas. But folks, where would we be if we didn't have what we have today? Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. We'll read the first six verses. And it states this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Go back to verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Father, please bless this time now. As we open up the only book that you've ever given us to read, the precious Word of God, may you speak to our hearts, may you excite us, motivate us, encourage us. And Lord, even as uh, America is not perfect, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as your people to move the pendulum in the right direction through your hope, through your power, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we commit this time to you, and we ask that you would revive the saved and save the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Freedom is not free. In Washington, when you go there to uh, the monuments, this particular uh, uh, monument is sitting there by the Korean War Memorial, and it reminds us that freedom is not free. Men and women over the 
So last several hundred years have gone to war to fight for the freedom that we have today. Folks, I can guarantee you, guaranteed, if these individuals hadn't gone out, if our soldiers hadn't gone out, if our military hadn't gone out, we would not be sitting here today. We would be underground like exists in so many other countries around the world. Folks, let me remind you, as tough as it may seem sometime with the, the current media blitz going on, I really, and I, and I may be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong in this, I really don't think somebody's going to come in with a machete today and tell me to get down on my knees, renounce Christ, or I'm going to chop your head off. That will happen in Nigeria today, guaranteed. I've watched multiple friends, people, missionaries in the past months who have gone through that very scenario. We've read as our Muslim uh, countries up to uh, the north of Israel and Iraq and Iran and different places. I've read about the people in serving in China. I've talked to some of their pastors as they show the scars from being beat up, as they tell about their wife who was murdered in front of their face, as they tell about other pastors who have been shot and killed in front of their children and brutally murdered. I don't think that's going to happen here today. And I don't think I'm wrong on that. Folks, freedom is not free. The Apostle Paul reminds us as God's people that we need to stand fast in the liberty. Now, I'm taking a little bit of liberty with the passage this morning. We're going to get into the actual context in a minute. But I want us to remember that the, the, the things that we go through, the hard times that we face, folks, this is nothing compared to what most of our brothers and sisters around the world have to go through. The horrific, horrible, deadly, catastrophic persecution that they face. Justin mentioned this morning when he was giving his announcements that as he was talking, uh, a couple of people uh, mocked him. Yeah, it's going to happen. A couple of people may say uh, some unkind things. They may throw something at you. They may tell you to get out of their face, whatever. But Justin, you're here this morning, right? Nobody shot him. Nobody threatened to kill him. Because we live in America. Folks, freedom is not free. This morning what we're going to look at as we think about the freedoms we have in our country, which we'll just expound a little bit more on that, but we want to really look at what's taking place in Galatia when Paul's writing this. So there's a couple of key things that were going on. Galatia, uh, again, a pretty good-sized city back in the day when Christ was uh, ministering, when Paul was ministering. And there's this group of what was known as Judaizers that were infiltrating the Gal church in Galatia. This was a group of individuals, they were Jewish individuals, that were trying to get the Christians to go back into the law. Follow the law, the Old Testament law, the 613 commandments of the Old Testament. And they're like, listen, there's certain things, Christians, and, and uh, take this a little satirically like, like it's meant. They're like, certain things, Christians, you really need to be doing. Were you circumcised Gentile Christian after you trusted Christ? If you don't know what circumcision is, ask somebody after the service. <laughs> but it was a sign of belief. All Jewish males were to be circumcised. And these Jewish Judaizers came in and they're like, listen, the Gentiles are making decisions for Jesus Christ, but they're not following the Old Testament law. We need to change this and get them back under the law. And in the Apostle Paul says, verse 1, he says, stand fast, Christians, 
specifically Gentile Christians, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So these individuals were coming in and they're trying to get the Gentiles to go back and follow the Old Testament law. And Paul is reminding the Gentile Christians that you are not to live under the Old Testament Mosaic law. Now I've had discussions with folks and they say, well listen, aren't we to follow the law? Aren't we to follow the Ten Commandments, which are really kind of the, the top ten, if you will, in uh, the Old Testament? Are we supposed to follow those? And we're actually going to touch on that this morning. Are there things in the Old Testament law that, quite frankly, are no longer to be touched? And are there things that should be? Well, let me give you a very simple definition of that, or simple concept of how to deal with that. God's morality has never changed. In other words, if it was wrong, if it was immoral, if it was unethical to do back in the Old Testament, it's still immoral and unethical today. However, when we're talking about the Old Testament Mosaic ceremonial law, i.e. go to, the, go to uh, the temple three times a year, offer your sacrifices in Jerusalem, uh, the priestly duties, all those things, the dietary laws, all those things, they are done. They're over during the church age. So it's a, it, it's a hybrid situation where it's very critical. And here's where we make a lot of mistakes when we're reading our scriptures. We talk about, and, and again, big word again, and you got to be with us for several weeks or months before all this stuff starts to come together and make sense. But I, I like to use the big word because it's the only word really that's out there theological that describes what we're talking about. It's called dispensational theology, dispensationalism. What does that mean? The simplicity of it is, are you ready? God works with specific groups of people at specific times in specific ways. Specific times, specific people, specific ways. In other words, in the Old Testament, the, the, the Jewish people, they, they had to follow the law. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. They had to follow the Old Testament Jewish system. After Jesus Christ came, he says, I'm giving you a new way of doing business. I'm giving you a new law, if you will, that you shall love each other. Hmm, love each other like yourself. And he starts to change things around a little bit. And we're going to look at the verses out of Romans 13, verse 9, in just a few minutes. So all this can be very confusing. And folks, you, you know why it's important to be in church every week that you can be unless you're on vacation? Because folks, there is so much in this book. And it takes time to learn it. So let's go through some of these things. So what, what are we looking at this morning? Well, let's again, uh, we read the verse. Let's just look at verse 1 again and we'll see if we have time to get past verse 1. Stand fast, Christian, therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What is the whole book of Galatians is Paul hammering on this church in Galatia, stop going back to the old way of doing business. Stop trying to follow the Old Testament law because it's impossible. The Old Testament law was a schoolmaster. It was a tutor to show us Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying, listen, those Judaizers that are sneaking into your churches, and they're trying to say, listen, you need to do whatever X is. 
trying to cause division, trying to cause dissension, trying to take people's minds off the centrality of Christ. He said, this has got to stop. Very interesting. Let's move on. So this morning, very quickly, the first freedom we should cherish is the religious freedom that we enjoy as Americans. I am going to very, very quickly, because of time, I want to go through just a couple of the things historically that have happened with America. 1775 to 1783, during the Revolutionary War, 25,324 colonists gave their lives to work towards freedom. The Civil War, 1861 to 1865, Confederate forces, 94,000 individuals killed in action. Up to, because they didn't have good record keeping, over 300,000 people losing their lives. Federal forces, over 110,000 killed. World War I, 1914 to 1918. Total Allied forces loss of life to protect the freedoms we have today. 5,152,115 soldiers died. 5 million people died World War I to protect our freedoms. World War II, 1939 to 1945, the next major war. The total worldwide loss of life during World War II is estimated at over 57 million people of which 500,000 were Americans. Folks, freedom is not free. Korean War, 1950 to 1953, 36,914 Americans gave their lives in Korea. Vietnam, 1957 to 1975, total deaths 58,148, of which 50,274 were enlisted individuals. Folks, freedom is not free. We could go to Beirut, Grenada, Panama, which we just can't go through all of them, the Persian Gulf War, Somalia, and folks, the wars continue. And we don't hear much about how many have lost their lives in Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran recently in conflicts that are taking place as we speak. We don't hear about the soldiers much because it's been much more top secret and the media's been keeping it away of the when ISIS was taken out. Most of us didn't even have a clue that ISIS was basically destroyed months ago. But it has. It's, there's resurgence of different areas, but folks, freedom isn't free. And some of you, you have soldiers in your families and you know what's going on. about the World Trade Center, how about the Twin Towers? Folks, freedom isn't free. And I want to remind us just a little bit this morning before we go into the text, that as tough as America is sometimes, as the mistakes that happen, the hard times that we're currently going through because of various issues that, and some definitely need to be cared for, but folks, freedom isn't free. And I want you to relish this morning that God has protected this country. Yes, and again, I've said it multiple times, I'm not trying to paint a rosy picture that isn't true. I'm just say, stating what I believe are the facts. 
barring that America didn't still have Bible-believing, God-fearing people in the pews that are willing to stand up, put up ginormous <laughs> float in the parade yesterday, hand out flyers, tell folks that Jesus Christ is still the only way. Folks, barring those types of things, America has no hope. America has no hope if God's people don't rise up like never before. Folks, I can't tell you how important you are. God called you, 2 Corinthians 5, to be his ambassadors, to go out there and give the greatest news. Luke 19.10, God's mission. That's why we're saying it this month. The Son of Man has come to do what? To seek and to save those who are lost. That was his mission. And folks, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for your willingness to go out and spread the good news of Jesus Christ, this church will one day close. This country will one day fall. And let's pray that we stay strong. Let's pray we keep building. Let's pray, pray that we keep showing God's love to other people to build God's work in a world that's going upside down. Galatians 5, stand fast in the liberty. When we look back at the soldiers, all gave some, some gave all. And I look at us this morning and I say, what are we going to do? Some of you may give all one day. Don't know. Maybe next year, when you share the gospel, somebody's going to lose their life. I trust not, but could happen. But we all need to give some. And folks, as we look at the freedom we have, if we want to maintain what we have, we can't be lax about it. We've got to be aggressively out there sharing the gospel. We've got to be aggressive about our ministries. I'm not talking about being radical, crazy, doing silly stuff. I'm talking about God's people doing what God's called us to do. Romans chapter 13 verse 7 says, Render therefore to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I'm going to go back to Justin, what he said this morning when he was talking with a couple of the sheriff's deputies. I know most of them from my past life. You know how much respect they have for Union Grove Baptist Church, most of them? We're kind to them, we care about them. They park in the back, I go out and talk to them, welcome them. Folks, I love law enforcement. Do some of them do wrong? <laughs> we know they do. But folks, I can guarantee you that they're out there because they want to protect you. They want to help you. You see the red lights and you say, all they want to do is give me a traffic ticket. But folks, it's a lot more than that. It's about the domestic abuse. It's about the robberies. It's about the homicides. It's about the rapes. It's about the aggravated battery. Folks, they're out there every single day trying to protect you. Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is a vivid reminder that freedom is not free. And as we think this particular year of 2020, when things are seemingly in a really weird place in our government, in our world, in our country. Let us get back to the basics of remembering that America is built on godly people who worked hard, who suffered, who gave their lives, who worked in the military, who worked on a daily basis around this country to try and make it a place where you can enjoy your freedoms. Freedom is not free. Look at those tombstones. 
Folks, we're, let me remind us, we're not there. We're here. Soul after soul after person after person went to those battlefields, scared to death, watching as the bombs exploded, listening to the gunfire, young teenage boys, many of them, going to those battlefields, mom and dad back home, brothers and sisters back home, crying for them, praying for them. They didn't make it. Because freedom is not free. Abraham Lincoln, Jefferson, all the different monuments and so forth that we think about that, quite frankly, have been under siege in the last few weeks. Was America perfect when it first started? No. Is America perfect today? No. But freedom isn't free. And God's people need to stand strong. Vietnam War Memorial, thousands and thousands of people who gave their lives. Folks, remember what America is. And you know what? If we don't like it, what do we got to do? We work to change it. <laughs> you keep voting. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep out there. You keep fighting for what's right. You keep your voice loud. You let the quiet, silent majority open up and start talking. I have been silent on the radio and the television regarding our country for about a year and a quarter, year and a half. I changed that about two weeks ago when I started going public again. There's reasons why I kept silent for a while, but we're we're coming out with both barrels again. It's time. It's time that people that have platforms use the platforms for the right things. And folks, we're going to use every single platform we get, whether it's VCY, whether it's the local media, whether it's uh, whoever, newspapers, radio, whoever wants to talk, we're going to talk. And we're going to talk about Christ, too, until they shut us off. All right, let's move forward. So let's look at the text. We've got about 10 minutes left. I want to get into the message and really get through uh, what Paul is talking about. So he says, listen, folks, I, I want you to stand fast as God's people. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What is Paul talking about to these Christians? You see, it's very easy for us to go back and say, okay, let's make our Christianity about do's and don'ts. Let's go back and say, all right, if you look a certain way, if you act a certain way, if you put on certain things, if you play certain things, and all of a sudden we start to put a bunch of laws and legalistic things on them. Now, there are things we need to watch. So don't, don't take that as a license to do whatever we want. But here's what was happening at the church in Galatia. They were trying to put them back saying, you've got to go back. We want all your males circumcised. In other words, we want you to follow the letter of the law of the Old Testament, which Paul made very clear through the power of the Holy Spirit, not to do it. He says, stand fast in the liberty. We have liberty in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about my Jewish friends that get saved. When a Jewish individual who has been under the law, an Orthodox Jewish person, a Hasidic Jew, gets saved, I have one of my good Jewish friends here this morning. When the Jewish person comes to Jesus Christ, what do they do? 
Well, let me see. They go down to the local synagogue. They buy a Torah scroll. They put they they uh, get the uh, uh, the black uh, hat. They put on the black coat. They 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 play the part of a absolute Orthodox Hasidic Jew. No, they don't. Right, Vicky? <laughs> what do they do? They get rid of all of that. Praise God! I'm free. I found Jesus. I found freedom from the law. And all my Jewish friends that get saved, 90% of them anyway, when they, especially if they've been uh, a hardcore Orthodox Jewish individuals, they take off the garb, they take off the things uh, that they were under, they take off the pressure of trying to follow all the Old Testament laws, and they know what it is to have freedom in Christ. And here's what my Jewish friends will say after they get saved. They're like, Rich, he's like, what's wrong with you guys? He's talking about Gentile Christians. What's wrong with you guys? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, how come man, when you guys get saved, you want to do everything like we used to have to do under the law? Folks, that's exactly what Paul's talking about here. It's not about the garb. It's not about following the little teeny letters of the law and doing this and doing that and having a... He's like, there's liberty in Jesus. And don't you dare, Christian, go back under the law. Don't you dare allow your people to go out and get circumcised, if you will. Now, in our culture, it happens in the hospital. Every kid that's born uh, male it, it goes through that, right? But he's talking about specifically trying to go back under the law. He said, I want you to stand fast in this liberty. I want you to remember, Christian, that the ultimate price was paid for your freedom. Jesus paid for your freedom. You are free from the law. Jesus paid it all. John chapter 6, verse 40, and this is the will of him, Jesus, who sent me. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have what? Everlasting life. Now raise him up at the last day. Let me see. If you believe in him, plus. No, there's no plus. We do good works. We try hard to, to serve the Lord, but it's after we get saved. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought in captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What I want to go back to is the first part of that verse. How do we war? How do we maintain our freedom today? Folks, it's through this book, living for God, staying in the Word of God, loving people like we've never loved people before, accepting people for who they are. Stop judging them on what they did in their past, pulling them in, giving them the gospel, letting them start to grow in Jesus Christ. Folks, that is how freedom happens. Not entangled again in the law, not entangled again by, well, let me see, you need to do... No. Hey, my friend good book. You need to spend some time in this puppy. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. Why don't you come to church with me? You ever pray? You ever talk to the Father? You ever spend time with the Lord? Stand fast in the liberty. It's good stuff. What else does he tell us? Freedom from the law. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, we're going to go to a passage that is often misinterpreted. Uh, hopefully, I got it right. Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30, it talks about the yoke. 
Jesus is saying, take on my yoke, for my burden is light. Folks, you know what that passage, and I've heard many preachers, unfortunately, that don't know the cultural background on this, misinterpret this passage. What he's talking about, when he's talking about the yoke, many, I've heard many people say, well, you, you put the yoke on the oxen's back, right? You got it on its neck, and then you've got, usually, if you got a tandem yoke, you got another ox over here. And unfortunately, many people think this is what that passage means. You got the old yoke of sin and bondage in the law, and then Jesus comes in, he, he slips in the other yoke, and now we carry it together. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a single yoke here. He's talking about the bondage of the Old Testament law, the bondage of being under do's and don'ts. I've got to do this during heaven. I've got to do this to try and please God. I've got to do, got to do, got to do. And Jesus is saying this, I want you to what? I don't want you to be entangled what, but gain, or not, be not entangled at gain with the yoke of bondage. Words missing there. Don't be entangled with the other yoke. Don't put on the Old Testament yoke. Don't go back to the Old Testament law. Don't try and push people into do's and don'ts and force them to do things that make no sense, have no bearing on today. I want you to stand free in the liberty which you have. Amen? Amen? Amen. I mean, folks, what, here's what it's saying. Yes, there are things we should be doing. Yes, there are certain moral principles we should be following. There are certain laws, if you will, of morality and ethical things we're to be doing. But he's saying, listen, we need to rejoice in the liberty which we have. We've been freed from those first 39 books of Old Testament law. Not that there's not good things we need to learn, not good application, but we're not under the law, we're under grace. Every single Sunday, I quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 when it's gospel time. For by what are you saved? Well, no, 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 wait. It's by circumcision you're saved, right? Well, plus uh, communion, plus baptism, plus uh, coming to church, plus... Uh, 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 we know better, don't we? And you know what I still hear people, well, I'm not so sure about folks. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Now, I'm going to take two minutes and then we're going to quit because of time. I'm going to try and stay real close to our time limit. I want to very quickly go through, because I mentioned the Ten Commandments. Are the Ten Commandments reiterated in the New Testament? The answer is nine of the ten are, and one has been slightly changed in the New Testament. Very quickly, and if you want these notes, I'll send them to you. All right, so in Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 3, is where we find one of the sets of the Ten Commandments. And I do not have them on the screen, so this is going to be very quick. And I'm just going to go to the end here so you don't think I got them. All right, Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me. Luke chapter 4, verse 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Reiterated in New Testament. Also in Revelation 14, 7. Second commandment, You shall not make for yourselves a carved image. He's talking about idolatry. Apostle Paul, Ephesians 5, verse 5. For this, if you want to follow along, we're in Exodus 20, uh, starting at verse 3. Ephesians 5, 5, for you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5, 5. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 1 Timothy 6, 
1. Let, us, let as many bond servants as are under the yoke count their own matters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. Same thing as taking the Lord's name in vain or disrespecting God. Here's the one that is slightly changed. Commandment number 4. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How has that changed? Well, in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, God said that we're to meet together on what day? First day of the week, which is Sunday. Saturday is the Sabbath. So, what, how has this changed? Well, Hebrews 10, verse 23 or 25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So God still wants us to meet, still should meet uh, on a weekly basis and so forth. And it still is in effect. However, let me ask you this. If you don't show up here next Sunday, have you lost your salvation? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now, I'm going to cry. <laughs> but you're not going to lose your salvation. You're not going to be get penalized for it. Think about that. But don't make me cry. Uh, fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 to 3 reiterates the exact same thing word for word. Sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to encapsulate commandments 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 with Romans. And here's the verses if you want them. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Go through the last five commandments. And here's what it says. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, seventh commandment. You shall not murder, sixth commandment. You shall not steal, eighth commandment. You shall not bear false witness, ninth commandment. You shall not covet, tenth commandment. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The church, God's love is building. You fulfill five of God's commandments by doing one thing. Loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor. If we're honestly, folks, we've been going through James, and I'm, and I'm shutting down, promise. We've been going through James every Sunday, verse by verse. We're talking about freedom that we have, and thankful we should be so thankful for the freedom we have in Christ this morning. But it all boils right back down to this one little simple equation. Jesus is saying, you want to fulfill the royal law according to the scripture? Remember that from James? You shall love your neighbor as whom? Yourself. Folks, it's so simple, but it's so complex, and it's so difficult, and it's so hard to love other people. Folks, as we shut down, do you love other people? Can you look beyond, as we stated last week, can you look beyond who they are, the way they dress, the way they look, without even knowing who they are, stop making judgments and see a soul for whom Christ died? That's the church that God's love will build. Loving people, caring about every single soul. And folks, that's how we maintain freedom in America. When God's people in churches across our country decide to fire up, get on fire with God, tell other people, for the Son of God has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Luke 19.10. Make sense? Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the freedom we currently have. 
And Father, though we want to not try and paint a picture that doesn't exist, Father, we need help in America right now. Yes, there are things that need to be changed, but Father, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if God's people would step up, if we would pray, if we would humble ourselves, if we would seek the Lord's face, if we would truly, truly be on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit, as we've been talking about on Wednesday nights, if we would truly love people the way you've asked us to do, Lord, this country will indeed change. Lord, I don't know how long you're going to leave us here before the rapture comes. But Father, while we're here, would you please protect our freedom for us? Would we be able to please next year maybe when the 4th of July comes around, once again, that we can uh, uh, spread out even more and meet even more and reach even more and spread the gospel even more and enjoy our freedom. And Lord, as we close, we want to thank you that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for our sins because our freedom is not free either as a Christian. You paid the entire price with your death, burial, and resurrection. Now, Father, would you please, as we dismiss, would you put in our hearts to love people as Christians? Would you please help us to do what we can to move this country in the right direction? Would you please help us to be active? And, Father, we commit this to you. Thank you for your love for us. And all God's people said,